my dear listeners, and welcome to Counter Melody. It is I, your host, Daniel Gundlach, and as always, I'm committed to bringing you the voices of beloved singers, often focusing on unexpected facets of their artistry. You will also be hearing less celebrated but equally treasurable artists who deserve our attention and respect. I'm honored to have you join me on this ongoing mutual journey of discovery. And now, without any further ado, let's get down to today's business. Great singers and great singing. everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Counter Melody. I have a very special treat this week. The Ukrainian-American baritone Igor Gorin. What better way to introduce him to you than with a Russian folk song? And... A very well-known Russian folk song, indeed. Ochichornie, or Dark Eyes. This is a 1946 performance conducted by Maximilian Pilzer. much to tell you about this artist. I had heard his name over the years, and I had even heard his voice. And, as sometimes happens, in spite of the fact that I very much liked what I heard, I just forgot about him. 
When I was researching my Christmas art song program, I came across a performance of his of the Viancico Vasco, arranged by Joaquin Nin. I was completely blown away by A, the extremely beautiful tone, B, the superb legato, C, his ability to sing a mezzo voce that could melt a heart of stone. So if any of you are feeling yourself stony-hearted, give a listen to this episode and to this great singer, and you may find yourself saying, I'm melting! But in a good way. Before I give you a short biographical sketch, I'd like you to hear portions of two recordings that he made of the prologue from Pagliacci. The first is from 1938 and begins with the words Unido di memorie, up through that glorious melody, E voi piuttosto. David and I were listening to Igor Gorin this week. We were both completely caught up in the beauty of the voice. But David remarked on his performance that it sounded like a set piece. It didn't have a convincing dramatic profile. That's not to say that he doesn't overplay his dramatic hand at times. But I'd just like you to hear what he sounded like 17 years after making this recording. The voice has gotten a little bit darker. If anything, the notes are bound together by an even stronger sense of legato. And he doesn't overplay his dramatic hand. He's willing and able to dig a little bit deeper. So just take note of those things, and then I'm going to tell you a little bit more about him. Oh, 
ascoltate, come li ascolto. Andiamo, incominciate! Igor Gorin was born Ignaz Grunberg in October 1904 in Ukraine. His father was a rabbi and did not support young Ignaz's interest in music. Instead, he studied the Talmud and became well-versed in the Orthodox liturgy. His mother died when he was seven years old, finally because of political unrest and, of course, the nasty specter of anti-Semitism in pre-Soviet Russia. The family fled to Vienna. Ignaz undertook menial labor to help support his family. Eventually, he met a man named Victor Fuchs, who was a former singer and a teacher at the conservatory in Wien. Victor Fuchs became Ignaz's sponsor and then arranged for him to get a scholarship to the conservatory where he taught. Ignaz also went frequently to the opera and heard, among other singers, Mattia Battistini, who made an enormous impression upon him. He also began singing as a cantor in local synagogues. Eventually, he became the head cantor at one of the major synagogues in Vienna. Once again, Fuchs helped Ignaz gain a position with a touring Czech opera company, where he sang many principal leading roles. Ignaz came in contact with the famous German Helden Bariton Hans Hermann Nissen, who introduced him to his agent. The agent was very interested in Ignaz and suggested changing his name to Igor Gorin. Finally, a rabbi from Providence, Rhode Island, heard him and invited him to come to the United States in 1930 to sing the High Holy Days at his temple. He made a very strong impression there and was invited back. Once he had returned to Vienna, however, the specter of Nazism was looming, and Igor attempted to gain travel documents for himself and his family members. He did not, however, have a sponsor in the United States, and therefore he had to resort to forged travel documents for himself, and he had to leave the rest of his family behind. His father and uncle died in the camps. Once he arrived in America, he no longer had the status associated with a guest artist, but rather he was just another emigre. But through an incredible set of circumstances, he met a furniture manufacturer who was so delighted with his singing that he took over the management of Igor's career and arranged for him to get a contract at Radio City Music Hall under the name Charles Gorin. As luck would have it, he landed a spot on Rudy Valley's radio program. And in 1935, he booked two very important and lucrative contracts singing on the radio. And from there, he gained enormous fame. He also gained a recording contract with RCA Victor Records. Eventually, he became a star also on the Voice of Firestone radio and television series. Each one of those episodes would open with the song If I Could Tell You, which was composed by Miss Idabel Firestone. When you heard that music coming, you knew that you were going to hear the great singers of the day. The tenor Richard Crooks was the main host for many, many years, but Gorin was a frequent guest star. So let's pretend that you're back sometime in the late 30s, early 40s. You turn on the radio and you hear this. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Tonight, Music We Love presents for your enjoyment a program of symphonic music under the direction of the famous American conductor, Howard Barlow, and featuring tonight's special guest. Our 
Our guest tonight on Music We Love is the well-known Russian-American baritone Igor Gorin. Rossini's opera, The Barber of Seville. Figaro, a barber who is also a jack-of-all-trades, tells of his gay life and brags about his ability in an aria which is one of the most difficult baritone solos ever written. As his next number, Igor Gorin sings the amazingly rapid Largo al Factor. Per un 
di qualità. jump in for a moment. The next piece that I'm going to offer is the flip side of that Viancico Vasco disc that I discovered last Christmas. This is the song El Vito, again arranged by Joaquin Nin. Igor Gorin may have sung this on the radio, but this is actually a commercial studio recording, as was that Barbara of Seville, even though I used an introduction from a Voice of Firestone episode. Vito, 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 
We heard the Ochichornie at the very beginning, and I have two other folk songs from the Caucasus that I'd like to share with you. The first one is simply called Caucasian Melody, as in Caucasus, not as in white person. This is a 1937 recording. I think it's one of Gorin's very first, because he's identified on the label as Charles, parentheses, Igor Gorin. This next song is arranged by Nikolai Bolin, and it's called Kazbek. As with the previous selection, which is indeed the flip side of the 78, the orchestra is conducted by Nathaniel Shilkrit. You may remember from a couple weeks ago, Nathaniel Shilkrit was the conductor of that recording we heard of Paul Robeson singing the ballad for Americans. Here's a somewhat later recording from 1946 of the beautiful Vincent Human song, Through the Years. 
This is a song that Gorin sang many times on the radio, but once again, this is, in fact, a studio recording. to conclude the quasi-radio program portion of the episode. Here is Igor Gorin singing with, well, I'll let the announcer give you the introduction. Back in the fall of 1919, Fritz Kreisler, the famous violinist, made his debut in the field of light opera. It was called Apple Blossoms. And from it, Stella Roman and Igor Gorin sing Victor Jacobi's famous duet, You Are Free. Just again that you are playing Love is nothing but a game of Music We Love, a half hour of your musical favorites performed by Howard Barlow and the Symphony Orchestra with tonight's special guest. This is the Armed Forces Radio Service. I was so pleased to discover that there's a lot, a lot, a lot of live and radio material of Igor Gorin available on YouTube, including some pretty fascinating stuff that just recently, like in the past couple weeks, appeared. One of these is a concert from October 1959 that took place in Adelaide, Australia. I'm going to offer you three selections from that concert which includes a wide range of material. The sound's not great, but you might want to look it up on YouTube and give it a listen. The first song is from the so-called Six Australian Bush Songs by the composer William G. James. These were written in the 1920s for Nellie Melba. I can only assume that Igor Gorin learned this next song called Bush Silence exclusively for that tour that he was making of Australia in the late 1950s.
Here's a song that we wouldn't necessarily associate with Igor Gorin. It's the last of Francis Poulenc's Chanson Gaillarde. The song is called La Belle Jeunesse. It's a sprightly performance, but it does highlight a couple, let's call them Achilles heels, in Igor Gorin's musicianship and artistry. He tends to be fairly sloppy, at least in certain material. He tends to dwell more on the surface. We heard that in some of the songs that were featured earlier, but you'll notice whenever he's singing repertoire in Russian, his singing takes on a completely new dimension. This, alas, is French and not Russian repertoire, but it's fascinating to listen to nonetheless. A certain repertoire that Igor Gorin sang and sang very well are those old Italian songs by Scarlatti, Vivaldi, Pergolesi, composers like that. 
In the Adelaide recital, he sang a number of these. Again, because the sound isn't very good, I'm only going to give you a portion of one of them. It's the concluding section of Alessandro Scarlatti's Son Tutto Duolo. You will also hear, or you may have already remarked, that Gorin's Italian, it's not bad, but it's not exactly echt. <laughs> I don't think he ever observed a double consonant in his life, so it's curious because he has almost an American accent. Don't let that prevent you from delighting in his many virtues, though. In particular, his beautiful legato and a still exquisite voice. In 1961, Igor Gorin made an album of Arie Antiche. This is a portion of one of them, Antonio Vivaldi's Di Due Rai Languir Costante. Willard Strait is the pianist. consistent and superb Gorin's technique was. This recording is Gorin at the age of 72 singing Antonio Sarti's song Lungi dal caro bene. Sir! 
respectable career in regional opera alongside his appearances on radio and television, singing first with Chicago Civic Opera in 1941 as Papa Germont, and going on to sing Cincinnati Opera, Philadelphia Opera, New Orleans Opera, Vancouver Opera, and others through the late 50s. Certainly when he sang on the radio, he had a number of set arias that he would sing over and over and over again, remarkably consistently and with many of the virtues and slight debits that I've already highlighted. What's interesting is that he sometimes would choose repertoire that really was off the beaten path. I'm going to offer you two examples of that. First is from Verdi's Attila. This is a 1941 studio recording of the aria Dagli Immortali Vertici. In 1962, Igor Gorin returned to Chicago to sing the title role of Prince Igor by Borodin with Chicago Lyric Opera. This was surely one of the high points of his operatic career. Shortly thereafter, he was also offered a contract to appear at New York City Opera, where he sang Germain opposite Beverly Sills. In 1964, he made one single performance at the Metropolitan Opera, again as Germain, opposite John Alexander, the great American tenor, and Mary Costa as Violetta. From two years after that, we have a private recording of a big scene from Donizetti's Maria di Rohan. I have no idea why he chose to record this, but we're very lucky to have it. Here's the final portion of the scene. Se ancora me dato a stringerti.
1964, Gorin went to Europe to appear in a film version of Otto Nikolai's Merry Wives of Windsor, which is available on YouTube. Again, guys, look it up. It's really interesting, and it features none other than the young Lucia Pop as Anne Page. Once he returned to the United States, Gorin began to experience some serious health problems. He and his wife moved to Arizona, where he took a teaching position at the University of Arizona in Tucson. He also once again began cantering at local services there. I'm sorry to say that at the end of his life, he was in a good deal of physical pain. He died on March 24th, 1982. For the end of this episode, I'd like to return to Gorin's roots as a performer. I think his most extraordinary recordings are of the music of Mussorgsky. I would like to mention that for my Patreon subscribers, I am offering two contrasting song cycles by Mussorgsky, The Nursery and The Songs and Dances of Death. Both of these were recorded by Igor Gorin in 1939, very much his vocal prime. So for those of you who are Patreon supporters, look for those. If you aren't yet a Patreon supporter, may I invite you to make a monthly donation of any amount from $2 on up by visiting patreon.com slash countermelody. From there, you will gain access to that and all other bonus episodes. There are three Mussorgsky excerpts I'd like to play for you right now. The first is from 1942. Here's an excerpt from Chovanschina by Mussorgsky. It's done in English translation, All is Quiet in the Camp. And now from Mussorgsky's unfinished opera, The Fair at Sorochinsky, here is the so-called Reverie of the Young Peasant. It is originally for a tenor, and yet Gorin has easy access to his high voice and gives a stunning performance in this 1939 recording accompanied by the pianist Max Rabinovich. Зачем ты сердце 
luce mia uccisit Vedono This next recording is my very, very favorite recording of Gorin's. It's of the early Mussorgsky song, Where Art Thou, Little Star. I have seldom heard anything as beautiful as this. Please enjoy this recording again from 1939. <laughs> Oh. 
From 25 years later, from Ernest Bloch's Avodat HaKodesh, Sacred Service, a live recording from Brooklyn, February 1964. This is the end of the first movement of the piece, Zur Yisroel. It's the one part of the piece that actually uses traditional cantorial chant, and you hear what a master, Gorin, was. Dear listeners, next week is going to be the first of an entire month's worth of Black History Month episodes. My series last year was one of the big joys that I've had so far in producing this podcast. I look forward to exploring some lesser-known names that, again, as I say at the beginning of the podcast, are deserving of our attention and respect. Finally, whenever I get the chance to include some real schlocky, big-boned Baroque singing, you know that I won't be able to resist. So I'm going to conclude with a heartfelt and very full-figured performance of Jesu Joy of Man's Desiring.
dear friends, keep the song in your hearts. I'm Daniel Gundlach. So-